Yeah, sure. Okay, it's a real joy for me to uh, pray for Christy. For the, those of you that don't know, this is my youngest of three. And because uh, his brothers aren't here, I will say that you always save the best till last. <laughs> oh. Sorry, guys. They're not going to listen to <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it's a joy to have uh, Christy uh, come and share with you now. So, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that what you've put into his heart, you would just help him to uh, yeah, formulate and to share in a way where we can hear. Give us ears to hear and give us hearts that will be open to receive what Christy has to say to us, what you have to say to us through Christy. And just, Lord, um, yeah, really give him the emphasis over what you've spoken about, how he should share that and what he should really promote to us. So just pray that you'll bless him in, and us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I feel completely redundant today. I think we've had, it's been brilliant, hasn't it, already? You know, I don't need to be doing this now. I think we could, I think we'd all be better off just having lunch. But um, yeah, thanks. Uh, that is my dad, Rob. Thanks for that. I think we can all agree he really made a meal of that, didn't he, of that <laughs> Passover. <laughs> I mean it, and he made it into a meal, so Passover's... I thought it was a good joke. I thought that while he was praying. <laughs> so yeah, I'm Christy. Hello. Lots of people I've not met before. My name's Christy. Charlotte's my wife. Rob is my dad. Sally's my mum. You get a real picture of me as a person there, um, which is great. Um, and I'm just going to talk a little bit now. I've been asked to, so I will. Um, here we go. <laughs> so uh, I really enjoyed having Jill Webber back with us in person last month. Um, Jill Weber came and she talked to us about prayer. Um, she talked about her learned experience with prayer. She described her coming as a living letter. She really just shared out of her experience and her own story, which is brilliant. And you can listen back to that on our, on our podcast. Um, I would recommend it. And Jill told us a story about discovering God in prayer for herself just by saying hello uh, to God as a 14-year-old. And she asked us the question, what was your on-ramp to prayer what were the things that that got you into prayer what was it that really captured you in prayer and it made me think about my own story which is um actually actually a window into our shared history as a proximity church so scott did a great job uh this morning leading us in worship thank you so much scott um leading us with a guitar and i do that sometimes as well and uh i play the guitar but that wasn't always the case of course didn't come out of the womb playing the guitar um when I was 12, my mum, Sally, who's here, she said to me, you have to learn an instrument. That was it. <laughs> and so I thought, oh gosh, what, what, could I, what could I learn? And I really thought about it. And I'd always fancied learning the guitar, but for me it just looked a bit complicated and a bit difficult, um, six strings. So then I thought, well, what I'll learn instead then is the bass guitar, because that's only got four strings, so it must be easier. That was my thought process there. And so I learned, um, I had lessons in this school, went to this school here. I had lessons just through those doors on the right there. I had lessons, bass lessons. And uh, bass guitar is not so fun to play on your own at home. I will say that about it. <laughs> it is a great instrument. I really enjoy playing it sometimes, but it's not so fun to play on your own at home. So then after a couple of years, I did say to my parents, you know, actually, I think I would quite like a... A six-string guitar, I'd like an acoustic guitar. Some people would probably say a proper guitar. Um, but I'd like an acoustic guitar. And uh, they did get me one. I remember it was my 
13th or 14th birthday? I think 14th birthday. I opened a guitar and it was brilliant. And I didn't touch it for about a year. Because <laughs> I was absolutely terrified of it. I was like, how, how does that work? My hands aren't big enough. How can you touch all those strings at once? So um, I was very scared of it. Um, but then after that year, I sort of got a bit more into it. And at that time, so I'm in my early teens, we started up. Sean mentioned it was our birthday, so about 15 years ago is when I really started to pick up the guitar and have a go on it. And I got to do that in the context of a prayer room, which not everyone gets to do. I told you I had lessons in a small room over there. Well, I taught myself in a small room over there, in a, in a prayer room. And uh, what was great about that is there was no one around, um, and it was... For a 13-year-old, it was maybe a little bit more accessible than prayer was at the time. <laughs> so I got to play the guitar there. And uh, I remember in the prayer room, there was a CD. Do you remember those? CD. And uh, what, Amy, what a CD is, it's a little bit of plastic, it plays music. And in, in the CD case, they had cases, inside the case was a book. There were books. And books, you could open, a, open this book, and not only did it have the lyrics to the song in this one, it was a Ben Cantillon CD, but it had the chords as well. So in my precursory guitar playing days, I could you know, try and strum along and, and play these songs for myself, and I could practice singing these songs. And for me, that was my on-ramp to prayer. Like Jill uh, Chan just think about, that was my on-ramp, that was my, you know, that just released something in me in, of creativity, of seeing God in a new way, of singing songs that I'd always seen the words to before and really taking them on for myself and finding new meaning in them. And, and that was my, my on-ramp. But the reason why I say it's a window into our shared history is because then... So I'd not been playing the guitar and then after a little while I had played the guitar in the prayer room and then I was like, well, I could lead worship then. Like Scott did this morning, but much worse than Scott led this morning. I was like, I could lead worship. And I was allowed to do that as a 15-year-old in a, in a small room with about 10 people there. And I was yeah, why not? Let's do it. Um, and I got to do that in, in a room full of people that I trusted, uh, in a room full of people I knew I could fail in front of, um, because I knew it wouldn't be a performance. It would be a shared experience. I would be worshipping, but not for them. I remember Pete Wood was actually there. I wasn't worshipping you, Pete, but you were there. Um, uh, and I knew that they would be worshipping, that Pete would be worshipping, but not for me, for God. Uh, it was more than a club that supported each other. It was a church. It was a people bound by God in the spirit. A church of participation. Able to overlook songs that were not to their taste, or pitchy singing to see the prize set before them. I didn't feel judged. I couldn't have felt judged because people were not looking for me to slip up or to impress them. They were looking for Jesus. And I tell that story because that's what makes me really proud to have grown up in Proximity Church. And that is what I want to talk about today is this participation in the spirit. Uh, can you just chuck me my Bible? I didn't bring it up with me. Thank you. Sorry, I should have had this ready for you.
So I was just going to turn to Romans 12 for me. I'm just going to read it all out. So this is a, a book in the Bible called Romans, which I'm going to explain a little bit more about. But for now, I'm just going to read what chapter 12 is. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. I hope you listen to this. It's really good. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I'm just going to stop there. So I could have just read that and not said anything else, to be honest, because that is brilliant, isn't it? I'd recommend you to read it for yourself, but... um, Just before that chapter that I've just read out, in uh, Romans, starting in chapters 9 through to 11, Paul, who wrote the book of Romans, a guy called Paul, he paints his vision for what church could be. Um, At the time, he is writing to house churches, like ours, house churches that are spread across Rome. Uh, He's speaking to a confused, fractious people that for the first time are multi-ethnic and are from all different statuses if we remember in the God story God chooses a family to make his people this family grows and it becomes the nation of Israel but when Jesus came to earth and died and was resurrected that changed everything we had a great time here at family learning some of you will have seen the video it was just here in this space Carla um, had set up an amazing space but it was all hidden away. It was in gazebos, all walled off on three sides, two gazebos back to back. And on the front, she'd put sheets of lining paper like this. So you couldn't see inside. I remember uh, <laughs> Theo was desperate to know what was inside there. And uh, John was ask, would ask the group a question and he'd say, I don't know, what did you have for breakfast could have been? And Theo was like, what's in there? <laughs> Just couldn't, couldn't see past it. But Yeah, and Carla got everyone to write on the paper things that stopped them uh, or or kept us far from God or things that might have got in the way in our relationship with God or distracted us from our relationship with God and she wrote it on these pieces of paper and then she said to them exactly what I've just said when Jesus came and he died on the cross the curtain in the temple was torn a curtain that you had to go through before you could access the presence of God and only certain people could do that but when Jesus died the curtain was torn and they tore this lining paper down and inside was this amazing creative beautiful prayer space she'd made for the kids to practice prayer and that's what happened when Jesus died the curtain was torn open and everyone could access God and the and the church in in Rome was experiencing this for the first time before it was just the nation of Israel And uh, Paul had to make it clear to show that cultural boundaries, ethnicity, these things hold no bearing now or barrier in faith uh, in Jesus. Everyone can receive his salvation. Then we go to chapter 12, which I've just read out. He moves us then, so from 
uh, the church could only be Israel, then to this picture, this well-worn analogy that is not new to us, I'm sure, uh, even if we've not been in church, is this analogy of the body. Uh, and he calls it the body of Christ, where each one of us is an important but different part of the body. Um, a hand and an eye have different jobs, but try drinking your coffee without either. <laughs> You'd make a mess, you probably hurt yourself. Um, and Paul is a very good communicator, and he likes to take language that people already understand and then reframe it. So, and that's what he's doing here. So this picture of the body was actually, I've, uh, in my reading, I found that it was, there's some evidence of it being told 2,000 years before he's even said this or he's even written this. This picture of the body um, was made famous particularly in Rome by a, a guy called Menenius Agrippa say that 10 times fast and this was in around 490 BC and this was after a, a, this was a great word that I had to include a plebeian a plebeian uh, sort of revolt where people in Rome the poor in Rome were fed up and they were going to just leave they were going to just leave and so then all the senate the senate of Rome if you've ever watched all the documentaries that my wife makes me watch you'll understand senate's people in togas and all of this um they were like, oh, no, 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 come back, come back, obviously, because they depended on them for their livelihood. And so then they brought this picture of the body. And it's actually, um, some people even call it one of Aesop's fables, but it's, um, he read it like this. It once happened that all the other members of a man mutinied against the stomach, which they accused as the only idle, uncontributing part of the whole body, while the rest were put to hardships and the expense of much labor to supply and minister to its appetites. The stomach, however, merely ridiculed the silliness of the members who appeared not to be aware that the stomach certainly does receive the general nourishment, but only to return it again and redistribute it amongst the rest. Such is the case, he said. Ye citizens, between you and the Senate, the councils and plans that are there duly digested, convey and secure to all of you your proper benefit and support. I'm sure he didn't read it in English like that, so I don't know who translated that. But... Um, yeah, so this was the first known example of the body politic metaphor. Um, you know, kind of, it's basically, if everyone does their bit, we'll all be all right. Yeah, uh, it's this sort of idea that we use now. Probably David Cameron was influenced by this when he talks about the big society way back. Uh, it's a long time ago, actually. Um, but this isn't quite enough to define the church, is it? Because actually, when you think of the context they were saying this, really that's an exploitative thing, isn't it? The Roman senators were saying, we're the stomachs that you feed, but we'll generously give back to you, which obviously they probably didn't. So it's not quite enough to define the church as that. I don't know who the stomach would be in, <laughs> in this room, but I don't want to call it out, obviously. Um, let's just say it's me. Instead, Paul takes the body politic, he takes this idea of the body politic, and he changes it to say, the body of Christ. The body of Christ. And this centers all our relationships as church, because he's talking to house churches. You are the body of Christ. This, in house churches probably were no bigger than some of our tables here. You're the body of Christ. You're the body of Christ. You're the body of Christ. And now we get to read it, and we are the body of Christ. And this centers all our relationships as church on an interdependence on Jesus. It puts this common allegiance to God at the top of the priority list. And this is how Paul hoped that we would be. And... Uh, so obviously, remember I said I was going to talk about participation in the Spirit. I will get to that. And, um, is it, but before I get to that, when I say participation in the Spirit, you know, I wanted to make it really clear that when I talk about that, I'm talking about a, real, I'm talking about a body. 
yeah the body a body is a real thing it's an it's a it's not it's corporeal not ethereal when we talk about participation in the spirit it's real it's active it takes our bodies and its feet on the floor you know um, it's important to show that this is real a body is a real thing it's real physical action function speech service that paul is talking about touch feel hear see a real body the manifestation of God's love, grace, and mercy to one another and the world. And so what parts are we? This is the real fun. Charles already, I had told Charles what I was going to do today, and she's already taken my hands up if. And she even used one of the things that are on my list. But this was a fun thing I wanted to do, is I wanted to show uh, one of the reasons why I love this church. So who here has led a prayer time as part of this church? Put your hand up. Come on, Jenny and Pete. I've been in prayer times that you've led. Lisa, you can put your hand up. We must have led a prayer time. Ever? At a house church? In a prayer week? Come on. Plenty of hands. Okay. Who, put your hand up if you've performed in an amazing Christmas play, particularly in December last... Uh, Dan, Dan, get that hand up. Yeah, well done. Jess, you can put your hand up. You're in the play. That's it. Well done. Very good. Um, who's put together a prayer room before or been a part of that? Who's been pulling pins out of their fingers from a <laughs> bit of lining paper, yeah? Uh, who's cleaned a toilet that wasn't their own? <laughs> Look at that. Whoa! That's actually more hands than I was expecting. Who's sent an email or a WhatsApp or a text to try and organise something? All right, lots of hands there. I'm expecting less hands on the next question. Who's replied to a WhatsApp or an email to someone <laughs> trying to organise something? There you go. <laughs> no, there are still hands. Um, who's hosted strangers, pilgrims, and visitors in their home? They've passed through Proximity Church, look at that. Um, who's served young people at cafe or bar and bus or TLG? Oh, my notes are everywhere. Uh, who's shared a story or recorded a video to, for the church? Look at that, loads of hands again. Who has written someone's name on a prayer wall before? Look at this, this is brilliant. Who's taught us uh, at learning or an encounter before? I think there's still some hands that are down that should be up. Um, okay, so for the literal recording here, and for everyone in the room, just acknowledge, that was a lot of hands, wasn't it? If it wasn't 100%, it was 99% of hands. <coughs> and I didn't mean that to be so alienating for our guests, so I apologise for that. I didn't think of that. Um, but what I wanted to do, the reason I wanted to say that is because we've created such a special culture here. We've created such a special culture, a culture of participation, a culture of radical service, hospitality, and shocking self-sacrifice. It is. It is. It's amazing what we've done here in the last 15 years. And... Uh, I've just got a little creeping fear that maybe is more of a projection of myself, but I've got a creeping fear for us that the last two years of isolation has atrophied some of our well-practiced muscles of participation and perhaps maximized all the wrong innate muscle memory that we have as human beings. You know, I've talked before about the, the things I want to do, I do not do, and the things I hate, I do. And I think it's that sort of-ness of our instincts that maybe has been maximised in the last two years. 
And so how do we combat this? How do we fight off isolation and continue to build up the unity that we've done such an amazing job of creating and cultivating and holding to as church? And I think the answer um, comes from Paul in his vision for the church. This is where I get on to talking about what I said I was going to talk about. So in the Greek, Paul uses this phrase, koinonia pneumatos, koinonia pneumatos. And this has been translated in some of your Bibles as fellowship of the Spirit, um, this sense of community created by the Spirit. But James Dunn, who's a guy who I was reading a lot of in the build-ups, oh, <laughs> go on. So Demetra's here. Demetra is from Greece, and she's laughing at my pronunciation, no doubt, of Kinonia. It's Kinonia. Guys, come on. Christy, do your research. And um, James Dunn suggests that actually rather than fellowship of the Spirit, this is better translated as participation in the Spirit. Participation in the Spirit. And Proximity Church is certainly a place where people have belonged, where people find belonging here, and that is a really important place to start. How can you participate in something you don't feel like you belong in? That's really difficult. And it, it's our friend Craig who said, he said once, no matter what happens in my life, I always end up back around this table with you. And Craig, we pray for you and we look forward to seeing you around our table again. Because belonging is so important and we want the world to find safety and inclusion and friendship and love among us. But it's this participation in the spirit that stops us from just being a club. That's what stops us from being a club. You know, leave your membership card at the door. We're not a club. It's about, it's this experiencing the same spirit of God that binds us together, bonds us together. Shouldn't sniff into the recording. And this is something that we must preserve and protect. Um, at the start of Ephesians 4, um, we read, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And I was just reminded of, um, uh, for those of us, we had a great time here watching the gatherings. Remember in October, we gathered here, we had a couple of watch parties, a couple of nights, which is great fun, and many of you as well would have watched at home. And uh, Lucy Hill, who's come and visited us, she um, leads 24-7 prayer in Ireland. Um, she lives in Dublin with her husband, Ross, and she's a great friend to us at Proximity Church. Um, and at the gathering in October, she said this, that if we want this peace... It doesn't come easily, it's always costly. Um, she read from Isaiah 53 saying, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. So we can be bonded through the spirit because of what Jesus died, because of when Jesus died. And we can find peace because of when Jesus died. And that peace can keep us united in the spirit. Okay, you follow me? 
But she's, Lucy went on to say this. So the cross, Jesus dying on the cross, is not only the source of our peace, but it is the shape of it. Peace is always tied up with sacrifice. Bringing peace, building unity at first might look like to us, to our untrained eyes I would say, it might look like sacrifice or it might look like giving up instead of giving away. It might look like giving some time up. It might look like giving different things up. But we have to make every effort to preserve what we've created here because it is so, so special. And for some of us, we're blind to that because we've been in it so long. Um, For me, I've been in it my whole life, my whole Christian life. But it's so special and we have to preserve it. It was what makes us who we are. And for Paul, our functions... You know, he talks about this idea of the body and every part of us having different functions. Well, our functions also come from God. And it's the gifts that God gives us that help us frame our actions. These are gifts that are given from God, not for us just to possess. And this is what I was thinking about. The gifts of the Spirit, they're not gifts that then that's what you have and that's what you are. So we read in Romans, if you're, you know, if you're to prophesy, then prophesy. If you're to give, then give generously. Give encouragement, give encouragement. It's give, 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 give. It's not that I've got the gift of prophecy and that's me and that's what I do. It's not that. It's I've been given a gift of something and it's my responsibility to give that away. It's not gifts to be had, it's gifts to be given. Gifts to be given. And that's the fulfillment of the promise that God gave to Abraham. You know, blessed to be a blessing. We're given gifts to give away. We're not given gifts to hold. They're not gifts that give us status. They're not gifts that give us positions. They're not gifts for us to have. They're gifts to be given. Um, And these will likely be spiritual gifts that I think, you know, we're going to be exploring maybe in the coming months that encounter, you know, prophecy, healing, tongues, words of knowledge. Um, But they can also be physical gifts, time, money, possessions that we're given that are not ours to have. They're ours to give, given gifts to give gifts. And it's when we share these gifts with one another, care for each other in this way, that the body of Christ is at its strongest. And who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? This is why I wanted to start off today by saying I'm so proud to be a part of this church. I'm really proud. And I hope that lots of you feel the same. I hope you don't begrudgingly think, oh, I can encounter this morning. Could have been watching the F1, you know. Oh, I oh, hope I'm only sat next to so-and-so at dinner. Don't want to be sat next. You know, w- I am so proud of our church. and who, I can't think why anyone would want to be a part of it. We've got a friend, um, Christian, in Macedonia. Do you remember Soup Week? In November, we um, ate soup together daily and pulled our grocery money we would have spent otherwise and gave it to um, a church in Macedonia, in North Macedonia, in Skopje. And Christian is the guy who did that great video for us. And he told a story uh, to us. We were fortunate to be in a little Zoom with him the other day, and he told a story of him and some of his friends. So because they just like each other, do you remember that? (laughs) Because they just like each other, um, they would regularly go and climb a mountain in Skopje. And in the mountain, they would do a barbecue, and they would eat sausages, and they would drink beer. And I thought, wow, that sounds brilliant. And it made me think, we're going to do a trip to Macedonia soon. <laughs> oh, we probably will. It's not a joke. Um, so, and they just wanted to share life around a fire with beer. And they were close friends and they just loved it. Uh, and they would go deep because that's what you do in friendship sometimes. And they also they would go shallow. They would talk about handball. That's a big popular sport in 
in uh, North Macedonia. They'd probably talk about handball, and they would also just talk about their faith because they were just sharing everything of life in that moment, just being friends and doing that. And one day, Kiko said to his friends, you know, we should invite some more people into this. We should invite some more people into this. And his friends were like, oh, thing is, like, we're having such a good time. So, you know, I don't want to, what if they don't, what if they're weird, or what if they're, what if they invite someone that doesn't really click, or whatever, you know, just like, oh, I don't know. And, and Christian's response was, guys, we've got something really good here something really good here why would we keep it to ourselves why would we keep it to ourselves so cool those notes on the floor didn't read most of them so we <laughs> so i just want to end by just saying look i'm really proud of us as a church i'm really proud of the last 15 years and i want the next 15 years to be something that i look back on with even more pride and that i see even more growth and i don't mean numerical i mean in individuals i think if I passed a microphone around a room, people could say so much about how God has changed your life in the last 15 years. And I would certainly um, say that. Um, and I just want to remind us that it's only happened because of our great culture of participation in the Spirit. Of, give, of taking and recognizing the gifts that God has given us and giving them away. And that's what we just have to keep doing, keep doing and keep doing. And we've got a great opportunity in prayer week, um, Yimki shared about, you know, to really participate in the spirit together, to bump into each other every hour, to pray for one another, to pray for things, uh, to give ourselves to other people's hearts and to give God our own heart, receive his peace, and that will just bind us together. So, yeah, well done, everyone, and let's keep going. You know, let's, let's might need to do some exercises. We might need to practice some of our muscles again that have worn away through time and through real hardship. But I think we can do it. I think we can do it.